Hello, healthcare. Our healthcare consumers have an information problem. A hospital service line may have the best doctors and the finest outcomes, but consumers might refuse to even consider it. And who can blame them? How do they have any way of knowing when every health system claims to be number one? With all this noise, people's perceptions of a health system go beyond marketing copy and one-and-done campaigns. What really counts is the status of the relationship when people are ready to make their healthcare decisions. How can we be sure what that status is and what might make it go sour? Jared Johnson, the host of the Healthcare Wrap podcast and healthcare marketing consultant, is here with us to discuss the ins and outs of branding in the pandemic era. We'll get into the basics of how we should focus on branding now and how data plays a major role in helping to keep brands fresh. More after the break. Consumer experiences, major disruptors in AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. I'm Chris Hemphill, VP of Applied AI at Actium Health, and we hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future in healthcare. Hello Healthcare, we're really happy that you're joining us. What we've put together is this series where we're talking about some of the major themes that we're seeing. And to really help with that, Jared Johnson of the uh, Healthcare Rap podcast. Jared Johnson has been doing healthcare hip hop for us for years. Not only has he run the podcast, but he's been in various roles within healthcare systems and within pharmaceuticals. And that combined with a lot of the experiences that he's had has flavored a really powerful perspective on branding, on marketing, and ultimately how marketers can measure those differences and better appeal to the rest of the teams that they're working with. But Jared, would you care to share a little bit of a background that, that's kind of led you to this point? Thanks, Chris. The part that's most relevant is the fact that I've produced over 400 podcast episodes over the last few years. About half of those are for the healthcare app. So healthcare app is coming up on, on four years on the air uh, every single week. And as a result of that, I've gained a different perspective every with every guest that we've brought on any of these podcasts that I've produced. And what that has given me is, is I feel like a perspective that is very much more rounded than what I would have on my own. Every person has brought some insight to my life, to my understanding of what the industry is like. And together, collectively, by having the opportunity to do that, I have a different perspective. Like it has changed over the years. And so I didn't necessarily expect that when I first started podcasting at all is that opportunity to gain a different perspective myself. And that has very much led me to, to different parts of healthcare to understand you know, where things could go, where I could provide more value. And on top of that, it's just great to get to know people in that same way. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate you sharing those conversations and those perspectives because I think they're helping a lot of other folks grow as well. It's just been a really good experience uh, listening to those. And where we want to uh, want to dig in deeper is uh, like producing 400 podcasts and uh, doing all the, the uh, various aspects of, the, of like what you do in, in your healthcare consultancy. One major topic that I've seen is around branding. And it's a unique perspective because we're, we're talking about branding, but we're also talking about how to measure the results and success of those efforts. But one thing about branding is that if I, if I say that word, it could mean a million different things to a million different people, including if you're out on the farm and putting a hot uh, branding iron on cows. Don't think that that's exactly what we mean, but I would like, like if we can get down to a basic definition, help the audience understand where we're coming from when we talk about branding. 
you're right. It's kind of a nebulous term when it's branding itself. I like to think of it in a couple of different parts or components. And one is every way that somebody can experience your brand. So that's visually, it's in person, it's with somebody who works for that company or that organization. And it's in a number of different ways that we engage with people digitally now. I say now, meaning the last couple decades. So it's been a long time since we've begun digitally engaging with brands. There's also an identity component of that. So a lot of times we think of branding as the visual identity. So you've got a logo, you've got brand colors, you have fonts, you do have styles related to your brand. And those are very intentionally. Those have to do with an emotion that you're bringing out of somebody as a result. But we can't think of that as the ending point. That's the starting point. So your visual identity is the foundation upon which you build all these other encounters and experiences, other ways that somebody can engage with your brand. So that could mean somebody meets you and you're the only person that they know of with your brand. And so to them, you are their brand. And how their interaction with you goes, that's how they associate with the brand. So you have to realize that that's part of it. You can't just go out picking colors because they're your favorites, part of your brand colors. They have to represent something. And one way they represent things is by evoking a certain emotion. So if you go look at any of the consumer brands, any of the the restaurants, anything online that you buy, uh, any clothes, your shoes, whatever, you're going to be encountering a brand. And a lot of times, that's the only way that you're doing it. We also have all these other engagement methods, aka digital ads, digital campaigns, paid search, paid social, you name it, e-blasts, email. We have a lot of different ways to engage digitally, but they all come back to what, what type of emotion are you trying to evoke from somebody as a result? And that emotion can be what leads them to take some action that you want them to. But there's a lot that happens before they take that action. You know, that's a really powerful way to think about it. When, if we uh, couch it in terms of the emotion that we want to evoke, when people experience any aspect of our company, healthcare system, what have you, then it kind of opens up the picture on how the color choices and the design choices interplay with the experience choices and, or experiences that people have with the people that represent our brand. For sure, for sure, and it is. They they all come together. So thinking of them in in a in a bubble or in a silo is what's prevented us from understanding how consumers see our brand, how your target audience sees you. And so the more we put all these little pieces together, we realize like that that's the full picture of the brand that somebody sees. And most likely, they don't always have all the information about your brand. They haven't seen what went on behind the scenes. All they know is how they feel, how they're reacting to the part they're experiencing. It can be a lot more intentional if we understand how somebody's reacting to it. And that's a great perspective to have because like our experiences with the companies and technologies and things like that we deal with, they're our way of understanding what's the, like, what's the best way for me to engage my care or how does a particular organization or provider make me feel. But within healthcare, are there any kinds of misconceptions that are holding healthcare leaders or healthcare marketers back from effective branding strategy? I feel like if we're not careful, we can get stuck thinking that consumers see our brands in the same way they did, not only just before the pandemic, but anytime over the last few years. Because the fact is, consumers are experiencing other brands in almost every other aspect of their lives in a different way. So their expectations of how they interact with any kind of healthcare organization, a health system, a provider is changing. And they have fewer and fewer other instances of brands in their lives And I say they, it's us too. We as consumers have a lot fewer brand experiences and other aspects of our lives that are as stale, if you will, as healthcare. And 
that expectation has changed so much. It doesn't take a lot to realize why at any point in this week, next week, the following week, you're going to hear another consumer brand that's entering healthcare, mm-hmm. that's offering some something new, or you're going to hear about the amount of money that has been poured into digital health. So there's all these digital health startups coming in saying, hey, I figured out one part of that. So consumers ultimately have a lot more choices and they don't have to choose between just Dr. A, Dr. B, Hospital A, Hospital B. It can be all these other choices. And so I would say just to, to ignore that, could be a mistake. I thankfully don't see a whole lot of health systems that don't at least acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do they where do they go from there? Like, what do they do about that, knowing that there are a lot more choices? Hello, healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium CRM intelligence to activate patients and drive meaningful engagement. You can make it simple to identify and predict patient needs by using AI-driven next best actions. Learn more at actiumhealth.com. And now back to the show. We have these organizations, like we're speaking about the experience that people have earlier. Well, when we talk about the CVSs and Walmarts of the world, there's other aspects of consumerism, such as experience that those folks are really good at. So could you talk about, like you had mentioned that in in a lot of cases, healthcare brands may be stale. What makes a brand stale and what are some opportunities that you might see for some healthcare organizations to do better? Well, you're going to love this, uh, Chris, but I I really do think it's not paying enough attention to their data. Uh, When I've had that role and we had a bunch of data in front of us and we were being asked, like, what do we do with this? It was a lot more effort, I think, than I realized at first in terms of not only understanding what insights we could gain from marketing data and clinical data, a patient population, for instance, and being able to put that together. But then once our small team figured that out, it was a whole other project and a whole other process to socialize that among the organization, among all the stakeholders who needed to understand what that insight was. And it can even just take something as, as simple as some of the digital ads we were running and understanding how frequently consumer behavior changed. I mean, take like the first few months of COVID. Uh, if you just look to Google Trends, the probably best place to start for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just look to Google Trends for how often people were searching for COVID-19 and coronavirus, which tells you how like how long has it been since we even refer to it as coronavirus anymore. <laughs> but in the early days, like those two search terms, I mean, just went through the roof and then health systems kept putting out a ton of COVID-related content. But then there was a point, I want to say it was three or four or five months in, there was a point where that all of a sudden just like went all the way back to where it was. And health systems weren't necessarily looking at that. They were still creating just as much COVID-related content just because they thought consumers were still up here at this peak. And yet it dropped off super quick. Like there was just a month where it just went all the way back down. People were tired of hearing about it. And a perfect example of how quickly things can change. And if you're not looking at the data, know what to look for to even see like, what are people engaging with? What are they searching for? You can't assume that what it was weeks or months ago is the same as it is now. And I think that that's just the biggest learning for me is how quickly it could change. So you've got to pay attention. You've got to understand what you're actually learning from your data as well. That's a powerful point too. And uh, one thing that that makes me wonder about is we can learn from data Like I can go and uh, do research, even launch surveys, understand perspectives on uh, how people interact with my brand or their perceptions of me in the market. But then there's the question of uh, what do we do once we know it and how do do we get others on board? Because it can very often be the plight of our our marketing friends and and other friends who, who are obsessed with like building a great consumer experience. 
that uh, they, they encounter resistance or is not necessarily believed that they, they, they should make efforts to improve their experiences. So I'm just curious about what people might be able to focus on, how to help them overcome some of the organizational barriers to kind of the data-driven initiatives that they hope for. You know, well, one thing that, that we really found useful was meeting with the people one-on-one. In our organization's case, we had account managers in the marketing de- department who were responsible for different parts of the organization. Uh, some were certain service lines, certain centers of excellence, and some were, were other parts of the organization. And we'd meet with them one-on-one and share data that was just relevant to them and their service line. Instead of just setting up a huge team meeting, which we tried this too, and it didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. Bring everyone in there so you get all the exact same data. And as soon as somebody saw one graph that was not related to them, you could see them. They were checking their phone. Like right away, they're in the meeting. So there was actually a science in her mind to how did we socialize this within the organization? And it was just as important as the insights that we gained because if nobody else internalized those and knew how to act on them, then it was as if we didn't ever discover that insight. And it was something as simple as the difference with CPC between Facebook ads and Google ads one quarter was was so market different than it was the quarter before. And once we got the account manager to understand that, they're like, oh, okay, well, we need to put all our money here. We're like, that's what we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> so like, it, it just, it took a lot more effort. We, we wanted to say, let's just give you this data, this report, and you're going to understand it and comprehend it all. Well, we definitely learned from that process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't even put a spreadsheet at me because like, I'll, I'll come up <laughs> with a completely different interpretation unless like the, the story that you've told and the context that you've given around it is, is relevant and, and understandable. And I, I think that's a huge, huge piece of advice for people that are excited about data, but don't necessarily know how to get the action from it, is to have like a, a champion within the audience that you're going for. You might be wanting to present the entire uh, board or leadership team or what have you, but it sounds like it's better to work one-on-one with somebody first and let them poke the holes in it so that you can make a better presentation, better case for what you're trying to do more broadly. Yeah, like I said, that, that worked for us. And I think we, we learned just how people had different levels of understanding of, of data. And it wasn't something that people like to come out and say, I don't understand any of this. You just get a lot of head nods in the meeting. And so everyone would leave and you'd think, I'm sure they understood everything that we shared. But that acknowledgement went a long way once we realized that, that everyone came at this with a different level of, of understanding of what the data was telling them. And I, I think that's kind of where this notion of a data enthusiast kind of came about was in some of those meetings where we realized, yeah, we've got data scientists on our team at that time. You don't have to be a data scientist to understand these insights that we want to share with you and how to act on them. So this concept of being a data enthusiast was, yeah, like that's not my primary area. It's this, but I understand the value of of data and the insights that come from it. And that's what I'm going to use to fuel this thing that I'm responsible for. And it went a long way just to realize that you didn't have to be the expert expert. You just needed to understand the value of it at the end of the day. And then you were going to come to these meetings and figure out, okay, hey, what, what do you guys have for us this time? And the questions totally changed at that point. Fantastic. And yeah, I, I like that data enthusiast concept because if you're looking for who that champion should be, that person you're going to work one-on-one with, go with the person who's going to be enthusiastic about, oh, well, well the data has given this insight. Go with the person who's going to look at the data, look at the results, understand it, and actually act on it rather than just trying to bury it and then go back to whatever their original bias and original conceptions were. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, we've talked about a lot here. So we started about branding and now we're into data storytelling. We were talking about it from a perspective of how do we get our organizations to act 
But let's say that our, our branding initiative has taken off. We're making enhancements to the consumer experience, as well as considering how our visual identity and other parts, sonic identity, et cetera, are creating an emotional response with our, our patients and our consumers. A few months down the road, a few years down the road, et cetera, how do we know that what we're doing is working? How do we know whether or not it's working or whether or not we should pivot? I feel like there's not one clear KPI that's all you have to focus on. Like you said, use the word data storytelling. And that's, that's key here. Understanding what it's telling you when you look at it, when you pull out not just one little data point, but understand where things come from. So you can look at something like net promoter score. Would you recommend this to a, you know, to somebody? Would you recommend this product or service? Pretty common KPI that tends to fall under branding. That's where it falls. That's where it makes sense. But it doesn't tell the whole story, that one, that one thing. That may be like the part of the iceberg you see above the water, but there's a lot of data underneath that. And I would rarely just share that one thing. I'd always want to say, here's how we got there. Uh, here are all these other things. We've also learned that it was here. You always got to look at things over time. So, hey, our net promoter score was 7.9, and now it's 8.3. If you just say it's 8.3... People don't know if that's higher or lower than it was mm -hmm. before that. So, hey, it, it went up. So you have to always think about it over time. And you have to just consider what, what other things are coming into play. So I feel like just connecting the dots between a lot of your, your data and not just giving the one KPI. Yeah, still rally around that. Ultimately, that does tell you a lot. But there's all sorts of other little stories that, that can be told in between that. So, hey, did, did one segment feel differently? What caused that to go up? Was there something we could attribute it to? Was there some other correlated data that, that, that said, we can't prove one cause to the other, but they happened at the same time? You know, maybe that, that's it. And now all that takes a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But that's the level of storytelling that needs to happen to understand really, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll attempt to bring this back to branding. How do people engage with your brand? Well, a lot of times your digital campaigns are the front lines. So how are people engaging with your digital campaigns? That usually does tell you quite a bit about what they think about your brand. Well, that's a really powerful way to look at it too, because... There's something sneaky that happens if you start going to this uh, perspective of looking at change over time. If you're expected to just present one KPI as a one-off, there's a bias called cherry picking. You're probably going to pick the KPI that makes these efforts look great and, uh, and choose that. But if the organization and the, the team that you're dealing with is uh, committed to looking at this, uh, consistent stats, consistent KPIs and metrics over a weekly period or monthly period or what have you, you can start seeing those real adjustments. It eliminates the, the opportunity to cherry pick. And then rather than like trying to present something as great or not great, it just becomes the opportunity of where and how can we improve based on what happened in the most recent time that we looked at our epoch. So true. And that is, it's just part of the story that you're trying to tell with, with what you've got in front of you. And sometimes that does mean looking at things in a different way and, and presenting something that isn't the story that you want to tell. People say data doesn't lie, but you can make it tell almost any story you want. So true. it all depends on how you frame it. Yeah. When people say data doesn't lie, I can't help but say, yes, it does. And uh, people can make it lie as well. But with that, Jared, you brought a really fascinating perspective not just to this conversation, but for years and years over time, like with the presence that you have with Healthcare Wrap and what you're doing on LinkedIn and Twitter, just wondering what the best way for folks who want to continue this conversation, learn more, what's the best way they can reach out or, or interact with your brand? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Uh, definitely on LinkedIn, I'm always there. I'm at Jared Piano on Twitter, uh, J-A-R-E-D, uh, Piano. And yeah, and Healthcare Wrap, we're on every week still. As long as people keep listening, we'll keep putting that out and... Oh, yeah, it's not hard to find me these days. 
All right. Appreciate that. Happy to enter the podcast space with Hello Healthcare with you and, and uh, Healthcare Wrap. With that, we thank everybody who has joined us today and, and listened to this conversation about branding and then data storytelling. And with that, I hope that you can enjoy the rest of our HMPS series. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning into Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe to our newsletter on HelloHealthcare.com or join us for our weekly sessions on LinkedIn. Thanks. And when we see you next time, hello. Hello.